This is KLBPLP Long Beach 99.1 FM, broadcasting from Shannon's on Pine and online at klbp.org. You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP Long Beach Public Radio on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani. Hey, hey, let's enter into the Joy Zone with these Indie Creators. Enter into the joy zone with these indie creators. Brand new moon, brand new sun. Hey, hey, we're live. Get you guys involved in this whole process of seeing the world through a fresh pair of eyes and elevating your levels of joy in whatever aspect of life you happen to find yourself in. So that's what that's what this is about. And our guests, they bring their life experience and their work experience, and then they show us these little nuggets and how they learn from their work and how they bring that into their life and elevate their levels of being, elevate their levels of consciousness, elevate their spirits and inspire those around them. And we've got a, we've got a money person, Gregory Went, and we have a music person, Matt Kalen, saxophonist. I mean, these guys are saxophonists are so passionate and so awesome what they do. Suzanne, maybe you could tell us a little bit about these extraordinary guys. This is my <clears throat> lovely co-host over here, Suzanne Toro. You're looking beautiful. Oh, well, thank you, Thomas. You're looking pretty snazzy yourself. I'm trying tonight. <laughs> a little red leather. Yeah. Red leather, red leather. That's nice. <laughs> Good follow-up Passionate. for our, our animal activism. <laughs> Passionate colors. Um, well, you passion, definitely. Root, root. colors. So, in speaking of roots, so red, root chakra, Greg's going to talk to us about currency, which in this day and age, if we don't have currency, we go into fight or flight. So it'll be really good to get his wisdom to have a really healthy relationship. That's so true, right? Yeah. Like if the money's not right or the rent's not getting paid, then we kind of we kind of get that that stress stress hormone going. What is that stress hormone? Is that cortisol? Cortisol. Cortisol, cortisol goes up when we get stressed. We go into fight or yeah, flight. Yeah. So money is the saber tooth tiger of this day and age. And, you know, it's good to acknowledge and then have a healthy relationship. So food, water, shelter, and money. Greg is an amazing guy. He's an environmentalist. He looks at, he's a brilliant mind. He looks at a lot of amazing ways to figure out how to make communities and global conversations around economy more sustainable and regenerative. I love the fact that he's an economist. Because <laughs> those economists are kind of magical guys because they have this wonderful way of predicting the future, you know, by taking in all the information and then giving us an accurate output of what may happen. Absolutely. A good economist is worth his weight in gold. And having that uh, financial planner aspect or helping people build their wealth with an economic background, that makes this guy extremely powerful, yeah? Absolutely. And and he, he can speak both languages. So people coming from more of an old paradigm, he's really personable and able to help bridge them into a new possibility, a new way to think. 
he's really cosmic in the sense that he's he speaks from the universal cosmic stance and brings it back here to earth <laughs> and have, funny, have a financial planner talking about the cosmos as he sits there and plans your financial wealth yeah. for the future <laughs> sounds mystical he is mystical. He's a yeah. mystical guy. He spent a lot of time in India. He's a yogi. Uh, he's been a longtime friend of mine. We do the way of tea together. So he brings in a yeah, lot of Yeah, he likes those ancient teas. He likes old tea. Yeah, and if you have tea with him, you might get a guru in your mouth, yeah. a little ash <laughs> blessing. A guru in your mouth, a little ash blessing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But we can ask him about that, but it's always fun. <laughs> Maybe you can explain that. Uh, he, you know, he's because you, you, in your ceremonies, in in helping the people that you help, you bring tea into it quite a bit. Yes, all my. Tell um, us a little bit about the tea ceremony. So, way of tea is a very is a Zen practice used in different in the Tao and different traditions. It's uh, another way to elevate your joy score too, especially absolutely. when you're having a tea appreciation, or it could be a coffee appreciation, right? Yep, absolutely, and it just brings you into present moment. Uh, and the tea leaf is a, a amazing. Adaptable does the, does the does the tea bring you into present moment, or is a ceremony and then well, the tea it's, it's bring the you set, into it's present? It's a, a couple of things. It's set and setting. So, those serving tea in the tea ceremony are responsible for really being grounded, present, and in the space and cognizant, having a clear mind of what they're delivering when they, you know, in the Tao, it's not just to be present. It's really how are you touching the teapot? How are you with everyone in the room? Are you cognizant of their feelings, their emotions? So how do, so what, 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 are, what are some of the specifics of like when you do a tea ceremony? Like what, what are you very cognizant of when you do that? Well, as Wuda would say. Uh, who, Who's Wuda? Wuda is a Zen monk out of Taiwan. He has the global. Wuda the Buddha? Wuda the Buddha, definitely. And Greg knows him that, I mean, Greg and I knew each other before Wuda, but uh, we both are uh, close with Wuda, and Greg has helped him out a lot. They have the Global Tea Hut in Taiwan, but Wuda will encourage everyone to put chalk around their tea space, whether it's just for themselves, for one person, or a group of people, that you really leave everything behind and come into the present moment before you serve so that tea. So tea, tea ceremony is about preparation and how to maybe move into your day with a clear head clear space right well in the medicine so the tea leaf the tea tree will actually wither and die if it does not have human touch so the leaf when you're receiving living tea will go where it needs to go mental physical emotional and spiritual so it's a beautiful catalyst in a ceremony but also for me in my sessions to prepare the clients to receive sound from me that they can really come into present with nature how about how about this matt kalen guy matt kalen the passionate saxophonist <laughs> he is a matt is, he's a he's a master he, he's an amazing teacher he teaches uh kids in elementary to all the way up to high school he's an amazing musician uh and currently in manuel the band manuel the band and manuel will, the band yeah. they just released a new single what I love about Matt is he's an adventurer. He's really, he, he's, he has avalanche gear. He takes ski, skiing. Uh, he likes to off-road, uh, do really be in nature and commune with nature. He's an LBC like, wild man. He is an LBC wild man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. This guy's got some, he's got some spirit, man. He's, he's, he's awesome. So how yeah. are you bringing joy into your life? How do you- uh, be, being in the present moment with myself, not only when I'm in my practice with my clients, but Outside of that, you know, really trying to be more cognizant when I'm out in nature to really sip up the nature. You know, I've been doing the stairs and walking along the ocean. So and, exercise raises your joy. But just also just noticing like nature. I love like when the trees respond to me. That makes me really happy. Like the wave, they 
uh, respond to the environment around me. Do you, um, do you get this? Like every time you do you see the ocean, do you like just feel better? Do you absolutely. like take a deep breath? Like every time I see the ocean, just the ocean, the vastness of the yeah. ocean, I just stop naturally and take a deep breath and marvel at the reflection and the vastness of it. It's actually, I guess in a lot of cultures, the ocean is consciousness. Yeah, and it's it's the metaphor, right, for samsara, the waves of life that we continue to cycle through and the tides represent, you know, those different phases of our life or phases of our day or phases of a moment. The ocean's got everything. <laughs> Absolutely. It's where we came from, for God's sake. <laughs> Absolutely. Water, you know. People don't think of other star water, so we have fire and water together. It's hard to believe that we crawled out of that ocean <laughs> and wound up on the beach just waiting to evolve. Isn't that yeah. crazy? It is crazy. So what do you do to lift up your joy, Thomas? Well, I guess, you, well this show is one way. I, yeah, mean, I love I, I love doing this. I love these guests. Yeah. I love like even contemplating. That, that's that's the other thing. Just contemplating where the joy is in life can elevate your joy. Yeah. Like like every time I come in here, I'm like trying to wrap my mind my mind around the ambiguity of this thing that we sort of take for granted, and yeah. and we don't really look at it as a, a basis or starting ground. We typically, like me, I, I look at it like if, like if I'm happy, or or if I'm feeling. I'm feeling the vibe or I'm feeling life moving through my body. Uh, I realize when I get there, I'm like, man, why don't I just start here? How can I maintain this? Because when I maintain this, my IQ goes up like 40, like 40 points, you know? Yeah. But if I'm like in my head or I'm worried about something, I'm like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, aren't we all, Thomas? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But I'm an extra idiot when when I got my head up my butt. I can tell you that right now. But anything that gets me back into the space, back into my body, back into... You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio, on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani. You know, a lot of our a lot of our guests are showing us the way, like giving even simply giving ourselves a little hug. Yeah. Like why don't we all just give ourselves a little hug? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's one thing. Appreciate this body. A lot of times people don't even can't even give themselves a hug. You know, if you can't give yourself a hug, how are you supposed to give somebody else a good hug, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way. You know, when I'm in the clinics, that's one of the first exercises we do with the breath. I don't tell them that they're hugging themselves. And but. I, ironically <laughs> enough, the last person to bring that concept up was uh, was the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's the Punisher. A wise, wise guy. The, the Punisher brought that up. He's like, wow, what I do before I get into the boxing ring is I get Malcolm, Malcolm the Punisher, uh, Malcolm, Malcolm the Punisher. What's, yeah. what's his last name again? Malcolm the Punisher, Malcolm the Punisher. Malcolm the Punisher. McCallum. McCall- McAllister. McAllister. Malcolm the Punisher McAllister. This tough, tough guy. Mm. Like says before I when I wake up I give myself a hug I look out the window and I get gratitude I feel I fill up myself yeah. with gratitude before I go to the ring and kick out of somebody yeah I mean this guy <laughs> I mean but what a, but, but that's something that's something that's that's something that I do I try to I try to elevate that or I go to the gym and I get my body moving and I and I and I try to feel my heartbeat and I try to get my heartbeat to my maximum heart rate and and yeah. feel those hormones wake up in me and get my body moving, get it feeling good, do a little yoga, stretch you're it really, out. You're really good about that, taking the time to really bring yourself into the present moment. I admire that about well, you. Well, like I'm, I'm not functional. I can't serve my clients. <laughs> I can't write a script. I can't, yeah. I can't certainly 
can't even begin to do this if I if I'm not if I'm not here, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so let's let's, let's entertain you. So with, I mean, we should get we should get this Gregory guy in here. I think I mean, so. Just We're to start to share Gregory that wisdom. In. The money uh, man. Get the money man in. The enlightened money man. <laughs> we should get him in here as soon as we can. I, mean, I think so. Let's bring Greg in. Gregory went in the house. Gregory went. So listen. On the level, man. How'd you, you, how'd you, li- how'd you like your intro? And I was yapping about you. Were we accurate about anything that we were talking about? Anything we could? Pretty much. You know, I didn't get all of it. But, you know, when it comes to the cosmic and to the conventional, I kind of live in all those realms. Absolutely. Uh, well, you, you, know. got, you got some serious titles like Senior Wealth Advisor, like uh, West Coast Effort of sh- Stakeholders capital. I mean, this is like these are fancy. That's a fancy resume you got there, my friend. <laughs> it just looks fancy. You know? <laughs> so you came from somewhere and you wound up here. Yeah, enlightening people and helping people with their finances. Exactly. What was the basis? What was the motivation of that? It's a long story, you, but we have some time, right? We yeah. do so. have some time. Don't I, worry. It's actually a really beautiful story. And we'll cut yeah, you off. Yeah, there's so many different ways of saying it. You yeah, know, that's one thing really that's so magical. fun. When you took a look at all the layers, <laughs> there's always different ways of approaching the same yeah. situation. <laughs> so I uh, went to UCLA and I studied a number of different disciplines. Uh, and I ended up in a, with a degree of economics and business administration. Beautiful. Yet uh, my passions were computer science, international relations, Japanese, esoteric culture. I took biochemistry. As How the f- did you know to study that stuff? Well, I don't know. I mean, I had the <laughs> notion when I uh, I was living in a meditation ashram for my summer break between my junior and senior year of high school. Wow. So you had some serious reflection, introspection going on rather early on, yeah? Yeah. When my uh, parents split up when I was 14, I started going, well, what, what am I going to do with this crisis in my life? I can either melt down or grow from it, and I intended to grow from it. And that was my, maybe my first step on a spiritual path consciously in this life. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a, so... I mean that's 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 interesting. That's yeah. a, that's a very interesting that's a very interesting step. So in that challenge, you're like, the, are you just like the only one? Were you like the only son? I was the only son. Um, and who'd that, you wind up with, mom or dad? Dad moved out. <laughs> dad moved out. Mom was, uh, you know, and we all got along though enough for me to be able to maintain good relationships with everybody. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that. That's a far cry from what I went through. Yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm very <laughs> blessed for the the fact that I maintain a healthy relationship with my parents and my sisters enough to be coherent. So they were able to actually encourage you, possibly on this weird little journey you decided to take. Because it may were they on the journey as well, or was it just something you just broke the mold on and went outside the box? More that my mom was on her own exploration during her midlife crisis, and she started exploring <laughs> yoga and you know these things. And she brought home a book from a guru she met, and I'm like, look at this, this is cool. And I started meditating from the book I got at the library from the same spiritual teacher. And I'm like, I was in high school at the time. Did you know you were meditating or is that just a word you're using now? No, I actually (laughs) was reading books on mindfulness and meditation when I was 15. Uh, And then somewhere along the lines, coming back to why I went to UCLA, I was at the meditation center with a guy trying to figure out what am I going to do for college? And... I wanted to go to a college where I could live in one of the two meditation centers in California at the time. One was in Oakland and one was in Santa Monica. And, well, I'll go to UCLA or I'll go to UC Berkeley. So I applied to UC Berkeley in biochemistry, 
because I was inspired with the notion that you can look at the juice of a spinach plant and discover what's in it by shooting x-rays into it and looking at how it reflects on the plate. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to be a biochemist. And the, somehow the I rasa got the rasa of spinach. Right. The rasa of spinach. And the juice I, of spinach. Because I'm a systems thinker, I started thinking, huh, the world has a problem with immunology, and I wanted to create a business in Say, immu- immunology. What, what is that? Well, immunology is the study and science of immune systems and how we then develop better ways of supporting healthy immune systems nice. in our bodies. And then, you know, when you get when we get to where I'm, what I'm doing now, I kind of going, well, maybe I kind of have a business that's related to that. And I'll tell you about what I mean by that this later. Guy, this guy's off the, off the Richter's. <laughs> you know, so then I move I want to I want to I want to go back to something. Anything, yeah. I want to go I'll talk I, about I want I want to slip I want to slip back to because we have you have a listening audience and we're mm-hmm. all dealing with our little dramas or our big dramas or however we're perceiving it. Even yeah. if it's a little drama, we probably feel it's a big drama. Yeah. But especially for separate, you know, kids that come from broken homes. Yeah. And you you find your way into meditation. So if you're if you're how how are you as a 14 year old? And let's let's say finding your way out of that level of stress. Like how were like what actually happened? Where were you? Remember yourself sitting in, a, actually, in, a, in a bedroom in your bedroom, sitting do. there with your head, head head in the hands and going, "What the heck? How do I do this?" I actually do remember what happened during that period. Tell us a little. Shortly bit. before my parents split up, and my father came to inform me that he was moving out for a short period. Like what? Before mm-hmm. that, my some of my cousins had gone through a breakup with their parents, and I saw what their energy field looked like. And they were broken. They were not broken, but they were just broken yeah. down. They were really yeah, yeah. affected. And then when I was unexpectedly experiencing what my parents were going through in the split up, I'm like, do I want to be like that and let it break me? Or do I want to break through? And mm-hmm. there was something in me that instinctively knew I am going to grow from this and nothing is going to get in my way. Wow. And that was just my instinct. And that was purely just innate. I had no... That was from an outside family situation. Well, situ- he started reading no, like my, Carl Sagan at five. No, <laughs> uh, I actually, no. Uh, my dad... Uh, no, I started reading other books. I have a whole collection. Of, yeah, but he saw my pictures that I said. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, of all the books, I was like... I was into science and I was into stars and I was into science fiction and, you know, Star Trek and, you know, all this. And I, my dad uh, and I used to look at the stars and talk about cosmology. And then he took me to see Carl Sagan... And the notion that we are all star stuff landed. And I'm like, holy Toledo. You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLVP, Long Beach Public Radio on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani. I understand chemistry and my body enough to know that the the atoms in my body were made in a star, and I understood that at twelve. We're star We're all star children, people. Yeah, right. Just say no totally. for, for real. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we are the aliens. We're looking for aliens. Guess what? Yeah, we're we're already it. It's much more effective to incarnate in a meat, did, meat did, suit than a tin can. I, I mean, come on. Kind of key. I mean, we're falling through the Earth at a, a universe at a half million miles per hour, mm. rotating at thirty six hundred miles per hour. How, how fast are we falling around the sun? Like I think we're going about seventy thousand miles Good a minute. Good Lord! Look at you all know, those right? elements. We're constantly yeah, people in that motion. have stress and anxiety 
issues. Now you really freak them out. No, no but I want to go. Hold on. Just hang on. Hold on. Strap yourself in. Hold on a second. Thank God for gravity. Hold on a second. Like, so if there's a kid listening or there's a parent that's going through a divorce. Yeah. To, well, how, I mean, here's, how, the, here's it's really pretty basic to, uh, that that you got to look at what it is that you can direct to because to only we control what we think and what we feel and how we respond to any situation. And we have our innate reactivity that, can, you know, like we snap into a situation, but we can uh, we can uh, we can adjust how we react to our own reactivity. So if you had a kid, what would you tell him? If you're going through a divorce and the kid, you could see the kid was down, well, how would you direct them? I would say to whoever is listening to this that is in a situation that's challenging. It sounds like you slayed it, dude. You know, that is you are a creator. Nice. You are, you're, you're, in, you're in this cosmos. You're in this earth, in this body. Remember that, you guys. Create. You guys are a creator. He's, he's empowering you. He's letting you, reminding you that you are the power right there. Well, yeah, you not. I'm not empowering you. You are. I'm helping you recognize yeah. you are power as a human being who has an innate creativity that you have a choice to harness where you're going to direct your attention. Your <laughs> Wait attention. A this is the earliest bell to ever go off. <laughs> what? This is the earliest ever. You win the prize. Uh, wow, I know that's a, a That's like just a couple of minutes Are you in. just trying to say It's I'm a little a Tibetan cowbell. <laughs> oh, okay. Move. This guy is like elevating the joy score, guys. Anybody. Move. So so if you're a parent, you're, you're waking up the kid to what? How do you how do you direct them into that? Well, I would talk to the parents and the child. Like, you both have the capacity to create from this moment. Because in this moment, we've learned from Viktor Frankl or all the spiritual teachers. Viktor Frankl, man's search for meaning. Yeah? Exactly. Yeah. We're in that moment of, like, extraordinarily apparent crisis and prison, he was able to direct his attention in a way that liberated his mind and know that he could find that part of him that was free. So if he could do it in a, in a concentration camp, you sure the hell can do it where you are. Where you are. Yeah, and you have the, we have the power to do the alchemy of shifting any situation of, you know, lead or garbage into something beautiful, and it's up to us to choose how to choose joy. You are a financial alchemist. <laughs> this guy's a financial wizard alchemist. He is. I, and so I'm just a curious soul. <laughs> okay, so so that's that's the earliest sure. bell. That's the earliest bell ever. So now what happens? So you get through that We're divorce. Take off now, Matt. Come on in. You, you, you get through that divorce in flying colors, elevated <clears throat> and inspired. Probably inspiring your parents, making them feel like, "Wow, we haven't destroyed this kid. Look at him. He's picking up the ball. He's running with it." Yeah. And and now you, you clearly turn that into higher states of consciousness as a young teen and how does that help your studies what, what, what kind of advantage is that well uh i remember now what i never remembered much since um <laughs> that's what we do here that <laughs> i started for lack of a better word hacking how i study by recognizing that by stilling my mind and paying attention to what was going on in class and remembering what we went through in class and what I studied in homework, that I could simply know what I needed to know by mm. listening and, and, and internalizing it. And then when I studied, here's a secret that I always found. Study, if you have a test tomorrow, you're studying too late. If you have a test in three days, you study your ass off tonight and you sleep on it so it sinks in. And then you review nice. for that you review for the mornings before to just like 
know that you need to trust that it's already in you because you were in class the whole time. You actually heard everything you need to hey know. Hey guys, my Just acting access. clients, all my acting superstars out there, that's the lesson that you get. That's the one that we found our way yeah. into that too in, right? in our in our in our theater arts and our in being in front of the camera and how to train these actors. Similar similar process of, right. of receiving. Right, because our unconscious in our mind actually records every instant in your life. So if you just know how to access your own database, you don't right. need to remember anything. You just need to access you've already got it. I and, always tell my kids relax. that all the answers are in the universe. You just need to access them. If you can Well but he but he had to develop that muscle. So he, he found the meditation mm-hmm. and somehow you're, so do you remember the meditation that allowed you to develop your attention to such a degree where you could remain present as such a young man? Well, I think there wasn't a thing like a, a particular technique. It was more of a depth of recognition that really became an inspiration for every area of my life where I was weak. And that hasn't changed. No, it just keeps expanding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to keep yeah. bringing out this bell. You got your little tinker bell. Would you please <laughs> ring that thing? Would you please oh ring that? Oh, my God. Could, thank you. Thank Ding-a-ling you. Ding-a-ling and ring-a-ling over All here, right? right? <laughs> so now cut to. So now cut oh, to. Okay, so then when I, when I was uh, encountering the culture's tradition about how we narrate spirituality, that at that point I was like, Okay, God's up there, and we're down here in the. Sh- Pardon me for my French, but I'm like, it's okay. That's a narrative that doesn't just sit well with me because if we're all star stuff and we're all alive and conscious, well, what? Why doesn't that? That just doesn't reconcile, and I never really thought about it. But then when my mom introduced me to this this Eastern philosophy, it was like we're not only all star stuff, but we're all consciousness, and that recognition that the consciousness that created the universe mysteriously is part of me and I am made of that but I need to then clear my perception to perceive that reality as I intellectually understand that I'm the star stuff I can also cognitively recognize that I'm consciousness and that conscious force is that which drives my life and then allows me to so that's how you actively pulled God into back back to earth you are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio, on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Ardavani. Well, we are God. There's not even back to earth. It's just about, yeah, that's maybe in a, in a metaphor of like from the idea that God's up there to God is in my skin. Aham barasmi. Yeah. Aham barasmi. I am the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Nasheva <laughs> <laughs> kwachit. Nothing exists that's not Shiva. <laughs> Nothing exists that's not Shiva. Yeah. Literally, because the whole notion that consciousness and what you might call God, whatever way you frame it, whether it's intelligence or what Carl Sagan would say, regardless, it doesn't make it. You guys, guys got to look up Carl Sagan. I mean, he was yeah, he cosmos. Was billions and billions and billions. Of, yeah, it never saying? ends. It never ends. Like the billions <laughs> of stars. So when you recognize that awareness, that's us. Then you go, huh? We can awaken. You can to, relax. To relax because there's nowhere to go. It's simply about <laughs> shifting your perception. You know, so the, share that because even as a as a teen going through some strife and other times potentially in your life, yeah, there's nowhere to go because this is the one thing where people numb out a lot because they're uncomfortable with the here. Right. So share a little bit. You about must you. have been like the oddball kid, though. <laughs> you must have been like the kid walking down 
Just like he's seeing to- everything. Totally, but he's in some ways. But, but but then you learned how to act and fit in. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a shapeshifter, you might say. I mean, in other words, I was like involved with student, you know, like activities, and I was part of a social service club, and I played water polo, and I was in the swim team, and AP calculus, and I'd go to the ashram a couple times a week and meditate and chant. Yeah, but nobody knew that you were the star child. No, they really didn't. I mean, and from the standpoint, I was kind of awkward around, you know, girls at the time, and that was, you know, challenging. But that that's <laughs> still is the same, actually, I think, in some ways, you know. You're adorable. Mm. <laughs> Don't say that. He is adorable. Yeah, so if you're single and you think I'm adorable, you can contact Suzanne. <laughs> that'll get this poor Ping guy me. off match. match. That'll, yeah, that'll get, get this guy off. Get me off a of bumble. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'll get him off match.com for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Just go into the cosmic web. <laughs> yeah, you'll find me. Well that's, well, that's interesting too. Very, very interesting to me because acting is innately within our makeup as mm, human beings. Totally. So it's it's the ability basically or as the ancients perceived acting were conscious beings who had to act in order for them not to be burned at the stake or crucified because they had to be able to put on another face and shape shift and at the moment that they felt that it was time to let, let the word out, they let the word out understanding that it probably cost them their material existence and that's the basis of true acting. And the challenge that I've put myself to is being radically present, authentic, and transparent, but translate what is coming through my consciousness to the people I'm actually with and speak their language so I can be intimate in communication with everybody I'm with and the paradigm that they live in. In of service. Yeah, radically present. Go back to that how we stay here. There's nowhere to go. Because a lot of people want to escape. Right. And whether it's, you know... Well, the, first, the, the the core problem there is the problem of our culture is that there's an enchanted and disenchanted reality or that there's matter and spirit or God and, you know, and devil or earth and heaven. I mean, we live in a, in an, in an, a society that's been inculcated with the notion of binary, that it's either or. And that is the duality. That is the mind, the duality. That is the mind of the intellect that has to perceive black and white. But when you look at the mind of your being, your authentic heart that we all know, there's a p- capacity to reconcile that difference as a continuum that just is two aspects of one way of being. It's what we all innately know. Well, to put that in maybe a simpler English, like the, like the Zen practitioners would call that relative mind. Mm-hmm. Right, and we as Americans simply sort of call that rational mind. And there are some some teachings that call it the formatory apparatus, the things that the thing that sees in two. Yeah, like the file cabinet, how we file things away. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of times we be think, the, the, so a lot of times we think we're the file cabinet, sort or of the way. historical mind. But you know, we're, as a surfer or a pl- person that plays tennis, He's you get you get into the zone, <laughs> and you just flow, and you can see that. You're thinking about all the different layers, but also there's this party that's just flowing, which is the flow state. There's all this work with... Uh, with this guy, talk. you just keep talking. Because <laughs> no. I think he deserves this. You keep talking. <laughs> oh, gee. I think Come he on. does. We're, we're going to walk. No, keep talking. Where were flowing. you? We're flowing in the flow state because it's all consciousness. <laughs> right? You are consciousness. You, uh, Greg, are really going to want this piped into your You house. are the star <laughs> surfer. I can now listen to myself talk a lot. The star um, surfer. We'll pipe it into Wuda's tea center. Wuda, <laughs> yeah. we're talking to you right now. You are consciousness, This Wuda. comes out of this teacup. He's like, is this coming out of my teacup? Whoa. Nice. Keep talking. So as I was saying, that 
the recognition that the world is not an obstacle to awakening to your own innate divinity. Ah, that the, there wrong. is nothing that will prevent you from your own freedom in the midst of life. And that was why I was drawn to the spiritual tradition where, you know, the spiritual teacher said, see God in each other, see God in yourself, honor yourself, that there's, there's nothing in the world that you need to leave. You don't need to leave your family. You don't need to leave, um, you know, your job in order to awaken to what is authentically, you know, real in consciousness. So you basically are saying you can wake up, not... Not as not, ju- not just sitting in a, in the cross-legged position, but use the world around you as the test to maintain this level of being that you're that you uh, yeah. how you're seeing the well, world. I mean, like the movie The Matrix was one of my favorite metaphors in this way because, as you see in the later in the later um, later uh, episodes, he began to recognize that the opponent was actually something that was part of him. Like when he was able to put his hand into Mr. Smith and shift that or then see how the book, because he was aware that the matrix was made of the same thing that he was. And he was able to navigate like psychic Aikido, a way to navigate Mm. through those challenges by then dancing with the reality from which he's created rather than that there's an opponent or the other. I mean, that's that's the radical non-dual duality of that is the tradition of what they called Sahaja Samadhi or awakening to the fact that everything in your life is just you being a pure creator in your own dream Mm. and playing that you are the stage, that you are the actor, you are the conductor, you are the music and you're the lighting and you're the story. So from a practical perspective, how does that make everything better? Or how does that make everything (laughs) tangible? Well, back to the hero's journey. When you recognize what we were talking about earlier before the show about you have a choice about how you hold the narrative in your being at every moment of your life. And that that, that moment in the hero's journey, which I love, where the hero is in that moment of like, there's no way out crisis. That's Joseph Campbell for you guys. I want to let that guy point when they're like, okay, I'm done. You know, the the, the boulder's about to land on my head or the dragon's (laughs) about to eat me. Yeah, you've had enough. You know, and it's just like, but then there's that crack. There is no way out on that level of perception. But, you know, on that level of perception where they say you can't solve the problem the level of the thinking that it was created from, then that's the moment of of freedom where the the creative agency of the hero awakens to another another narrative. So you're the hero. you got a client in front of you, formatory, a little rational-minded. How are you you using this wonderful condition in in your workplace? What I would do is immediately find a way that we have a shared narrative because it's all about myth-making and how we make meaning of every situation and then find a way that that we find that we're on common ground by being intimate about what's going on with the person I'm talking with. Mm. And then drawing out where we actually share the same story as two actors in the same play that are on the same side, that then we can then engage in a co-creative process to navigate from the challenge that's in front of us without thinking of that challenge as an opponent, but as something that is something we can create a pathway around. So, but well, well, you so, can find so, a solution so let's, let's just say, yeah, for, for ourselves. Yeah. yeah, and the other. And the other, but then when we bond that we're both on the same team, that if I find a solution for the challenge that we both face. Right. So in other words, the first thing is to enroll in the narrative that I'm not on your other side, I'm on your side. Right. First thing is embrace, find the common ground, and this applies in all domains of life. Find the common ground where we're in the story together as heroes and then 
create a way that we can navigate as heroes and the hero's journey together to waken up to another way. So if I'm with a client where they're like presenting a financial problem or a, a stuck thing, or we have a situation in the markets or they're concerned, find a way that we look at that from multiple different directions and see if there's a creative way. So let's bring you into the moment. So yeah. he here you are, enlightened CFP. And in front of you, you have somebody that's very worried and very fearful. Your state of mind, your condition, how are you perceiving it? Are you, you're not perceiving it in that way. If you just sit presently with somebody and you hear that they're off in left field, what advantage is your elevated perception guiding you? How does that work? Well, I mean, all of investment management is about taking opportunity and risk and managing the juxtaposition between the two, right? Because like, hey, say, I, that, say that again, taking opportunity, taking growth, opportunity, how much money can I make? How much money can I make? But I'm afraid of losing money. How much money can or I make? I don't want to lose or, money. Or not having enough money in the future. And then navigating the kind of greed, scarcity, or the fear or opportunity kind of arrangement. And then looking at those dimensions of our emotions in a financial context and look at what's really going on with the person. So what I do with people and with the projects and the, the businesses and the advisory work I do with think tanks and others is to look at what is the bigger context here? What is really going on underneath the surface on the project or problem at hand? And look at an innovative way to reflect on what's really the problem and what's a better question to ask. This is KLBPLP Long Beach 99.1 FM, broadcasting from Shannon's on Pine and online at klbp.org. Hey, hey, let's enter into the joy zone with these indie creators. What's so, really going and on? So if you can share how important critical thinking and objectivity are, which you're really, in knowing you, you're very open-minded. You're yeah. not in a locked perspective and you're always kind of willing from... Seeing you know, things from a different vantage point. Different vantage. Well, so what, you, it, you can show the importance let me of go that. To, I'll go right to what you were asking about. Is like supposing as a client thinking about the fact that they have X amount of dollars and they want to retire in this many years and they're worried about risk and the loss and the, all those things. And then there, there's a there's a state of fear that's driving their choices that brought them into my office. Right. So then right. I would I would first start by saying to somebody in a in a personal wealth management context, I want to learn about everything that drives them as humans, what their deeper meaning and purpose is, what is the most important kind of things. And if they, and a lot of times people will come to me shortly after they've retired, and I would say, well, what are the things that are most meaningful meaningful for you and what do you want to do with your life now that you don't have to work or all those kinds of questions lead to what is deeper for the person and then to look at the strategies that they think they have created that are to get the things they want and look deeper at what is actually necessary and what is that that they're what is that that they're trying to avoid and what are they really afraid of and to actually go to the depth of the fear with a perspective of objectivity in the way that you're seeing and that critical, not critical thinking, but to be able to discern and using discernment uh, without critique or judgment, but discern the distinction. So what we have here, what we have here is a natural born leader. How to, how to navigate <laughs> risk. So, so this yeah. is 